The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome. You've entered the realm of 1111 Talk Radio. Your host is Simran Singh. It's time to discover your own language with the universe. Learn to empower yourself, broaden your mind, open your heart, and discover who you are. Now, here's your host, Simran Singh. Conventional wisdom says that each grief journey is different and unique. Yet many people, therapists and ministers included, still buy into the myth of orderly and clearly defined stages of grief, creating an oxymoron for those looking for help, answers, and direction. People new to grief are often left on their own simply because very few know how to really help them. There are three different times where Tom Zuba has traveled from the deepest, darkest places of the black hole of despair into the light. He is a gentleman that is not new to grief, for he has faced probably some of the most difficult and challenging aspects of life's journey that anyone could ever even fathom. In 1990, his 18-month-old daughter, Erin, died suddenly. After that, nine years later, he lost his wife. And then there was a third death, which was to be his son, his 13-year-old son, Rory. And we're going to hear about this story and how this incredible gentleman has learned to take that grief and turn it into something to support others, how he has been able to channel that to create a place that people can go to have support, a website, uh, workshops, writing a book, all of the different things that sometimes come out of that dark night of the soul, that journey that we as human beings have to live to live through. So sometimes when we ask why, why, why is this happening to me, we don't realize that there's a bigger picture and that our soul is being used for such a greater purpose to be the angel for so many others. I'd like to welcome Tom Zuba to 1111 Talk Radio. Thank you very much. It's really, really wonderful to be here. Tom, I I tell you, in just reading your story and and watching some of the things on YouTube about you and um, just even going over in my own mind what that must have been like, I don't think anyone can truly understand unless they go through it. And it's probably one of the most uh, horrific thoughts that someone could have in experiencing. I mean, to to lose a child is one of the most devastating things that a person can experience. But then to have that followed by your partner in life and then another child would send someone probably to the psychiatric ward or to their own death or uh, to a place where they just don't even want to exist anymore. How, tell, first tell us the story of, of, of this, and then how, did you, how are you able to get through something like that to create such beauty in, in the world as you're starting to do now? Well, the place to begin is when I was a six-year-old little boy, um, my little brother, Daniel Patrick, died. He was just a few weeks old. And luckily, I had a mother who 
taught me things that really shaped and affected the rest of my life. And what I mean by that is Daniel Patrick was always part of our family. She, she mentioned his name. We marked his birthday. Uh, when we talked about the number of brothers and sisters we had, we always said that there were eight of us. We included him. So from a really early age, I learned that even though someone dies, I could still have a relationship with them. They were still part of the family. So fast forward, you know, 20-some years, I have an 18-month-old daughter, Erin, the absolute love of my life. And literally on a Friday, she had a fever on a Monday, we took her to the hospital. Um, Wednesday morning, she was diagnosed with something called hemolytic uremic syndrome. I was told that uh, there was a treatment and that she would get better. And uh, about 12 hours later, she was dead. A priest friend of mine said, are you angry at God? And I said, no, I said, not at all. I said, the closest I ever got to God when I was holding this little baby girl of mine. So number one, no, I wasn't angry at God. But to answer your question about how someone uses that experience, I will tell you that the very first night after my family and our friends left uh, my wife and I alone, we were we were laying on the carpet in the living room, and I was holding her. She had fallen asleep in my arms crying, and I did go back and forth. I, I, I knew that there were um, knives that we had gotten for our wedding in the kitchen. I knew that I could go into the kitchen and grab a knife. I knew I could kill her. I knew I could kill myself, and I thought... I really consciously thought this. I don't even have to leave a note because certainly everyone will understand why I did what I did. But I was also aware of this tiny little spark, this little flame that was, that was glowing inside of me. Um, and I literally went back and forth. Should I choose to live or should I choose to die? Should I choose to live or should I choose to die? And I made a very conscious decision that I was going to choose to live. And I would think that that's a very natural uh, thought process to go through uh, because when you have lost a child or lost anyone that feels that close, especially something as precious and innocent as an 18-month-old, it, it would seem as if the world has come to an end and there really isn't much else to stick around for. And so I can see how that thought process would, would occur. A a absolutely. I, even, even though I grew up knowing that children could die, it never occurred to me that my daughter could die or that my daughter would die, even when she was in the hospital and I knew she was in serious condition. The way that I would later describe it is it's as if someone puts a hand grenade on the center of your heart and it explodes, but you're expected to walk around and, you know, continue to live. So, yes, I think that that's very, very common. 
But, but before I, you go, and, and before you go any further, I do have to ask you one question because this struck me as I was reading through some of the materials that that I uh, got on you, and I was taken back to that period of time when you were a child and you had a, the loss of a brother. And so often in many of the the books and many of the spiritual teachings and a lot of the leaders, they will will tell us that what we are living through, if we truly are co-creating our reality, is we are re-experiencing old wounds that we are trying to make meaning of and that we're trying to reconcile within ourselves. Do you feel, perhaps, that the deaths that occurred in your later life experience were to help you in some way reconcile or make meaning with the loss of, of the brother when you were younger or uh, the sense of of keeping him alive, so to speak, even though he was not really physically present. Do you think any of that is related? I, I never considered it, but but what I, what I do think is that is that life prepares us for life. And I think that, as I said, I was fortunate enough to have, you know, chosen a mother who would, at a really young age, teach me how to live fully, you know, knowing that someone I loved had died. So I look at it that way, that it was, that it was preparation. And then with my daughter's death and my wife's death and ultimately my son's death, I kind of I, I I was given an opportunity to perfect that art, and that's what I think I've done. And and in in perfecting that art, since you've used those words, um, do you think that you have gotten from it what you needed to get from these experiences for your soul, so that now those types of experiences don't have to be so prominent in your life any longer? You know, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. But one of the um, beliefs that I hold on to, and it's and it can be very um, challenging for a lot of people, but I firmly believe that it's impossible to die at the wrong time or in the wrong way. And I'm raising a 15-year-old son right now, and... By holding on to that belief, it brings me incredible peace. I'm often asked, are you overprotective? You know, do you lose sleep about him, particularly when he might be out at night? And I say, no, you know, Sean will die at the perfect time in the perfect way, and nothing I do is going to change that. Well, and a lot of people, you know, will go into depression and great depths of despair at losing a job or losing a home or, you know, a lot of these other things that are um, much more material in nature. But when you lose a person, that that's a heart-wrenching piece that gets taken from your life. So for you to make that statement, that comes from a very deep strength. And I would love for you to offer the audience how you got to a place to have a belief system like that, to be at such peace with the conversation about death? Well, it, and again, it's, as I tell the story, you'll be able to see for yourself that my life has prepared me for the rest of my life. Um, after my daughter died, my wife and I had a son, Rory, who was 
literally um, due a year to the day after our daughter Erin had died. Um, but he decided to be born a couple of days later. So our daughter Erin died on July 18th. Our son Rory was born July 24th of the next year. And then four years later, our son Sean was born. And when Sean was born, I like to say it was just a normal, ordinary, run-of-the-mill birth. And I was just so grateful to be normal again. It was a new normal, but it was, it was easy and it was routine and our, and our family had found its rhythm again. And then in 1999... Excuse me, it was in 1998, just a couple of days after Christmas. Um, my wife woke up in the middle of the night and asked me if I would take her pulse. I did take her pulse, and I thought everything was fine, but in a couple minutes I was calling 911, took an ambulance ride to the hospital, and 52 hours later she was dead. She died on New Year's Day of 99, and the next day would have been our daughter's 10th birthday. But I had the experience while we were in the hospital of having to decide whether or not I was going to give the doctors permission to do a procedure that they thought might change the direction that her body was moving in. But they needed to warn me that because she was in such a weakened state, there was a possibility that she actually might die during that procedure. When the procedure was done, it had changed nothing. So the course we were on hadn't changed. And I knew that in, if, if a miracle didn't occur, she would die. In fact, the doctor said to me, Tom... We need a miracle, so call everyone you know and ask them to pray. Well, we did. I literally made a list of everyone that I thought would be a good person to pray for Trish. And um, through that night, we prayed and prayed and prayed. Well, Trish died. So I had to um, ask myself, did we not say the right prayer you know, did, didn't I have enough people praying for her? Um, was there something wrong with the process that we followed? Well, fast forward to 2004, my 13-year-old son has a, a seizure one night. He's taken to the hospital. I'm calling 911 again. Um I learned that he has something called a glioblastoma multiform, which is the type of brain cancer you don't want to get because there is no cure. I was given the opportunity to test everything I had read about, literally. Um, I had water from Lourdes. I had ashes from India. I flew him to Texas for electromagnetic healing. We um, enrolled him in a really experimental, controversial treatment for cancer. I had people chanting. We did crystal bowls. Uh, he had acupuncture, Reiki, massage, um, everything you could think of, everything that we've read about. 
I tried absolutely everything. And this child died anyway. In spite of all of my efforts, he died. And blessedly, the only conclusion I could come up with is that he died at the right time, and he died in the perfect way. And that has brought me incredible peace. And we are going to hear more about this amazing story and this walk of peace that Tom Zuba now has. And in this walk, he shares with so many other people how they can get through loss and grief and come to a place of peace and joy again, come to a place of happiness and even a place of empowerment. Byron Katie says, you are the teacher you've been waiting for. You are the one who can end your own suffering. Greek philosopher also say that we are disturbed not by what happens to us, but by our thoughts about what happens. So often we have to look at the events in our lives and we have to make a choice. Are we going to allow the experience to rule us or are we going to rule the experience? I'll be right back with Tom Zuba. You can connect with him at TomZuba.com. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. Are you a mom or a mom to be? If so, a lot of questions and concerns may be going through your mind. So much information. How do we get it all straight? Tune in to A Labor of Love Expectations for Pregnancy and Parenting with host Karen Engstead. Our program will take you from the first steps of pregnancy to the first steps of your child. We'll cover unique topics as well, including using the law of attraction during pregnancy, elimination communication, and more. Tune in Mondays at 1 p.m. Eastern, 10 a.m. Pacific on Voice America Health & Wellness. Have you seen 1111? Do you wonder why certain numbers keep showing up in your life? 11, 111, 22, 33, 444... People all over the world are seeing 1111 and learning the language of universal communication. Subscribe to 1111 Magazine today, www.1111mag.com. 1111 Magazine is a bi-monthly print publication that offers a rich, multi-sensory experience. As you engage with experts and topics of consciousness, become enlightened, empowered, and energized so you live a passionate and authentic life of conscious choices. 1111 Magazine, a daily staple for lifting the mindset, discovering the heart, and stepping into conscious living. 1111 Magazine. Order now at www.1111mag.com. 1111mag.com. Opinions, options, answers. Voice America Health and Wellness. You are listening to 1111 Talk Radio. If you'd like to join today's discussion, please call in toll free at 1 866 472 5795. Again, 1 866 472 5795. You may also send an email to info at believesc.com. Now back to 1111 Talk Radio with Simran Singh. In 1990, following a five-day illness, Tom's 18-month-old daughter Erin died suddenly and unexpectedly. Fortunately and through blessings, Tom and Trish had a son named Rory born one year later. 
1995, a second son, Sean, was born. But in 1999, following a 52-hour hospital stay, Tom's wife, Trish, died equally as suddenly at Oak Park Hospital on New Year's Day. Five years later, the night after his second day of the seventh grade, Tom's 13-year-old son, Rory, had a seizure. And Rory died on February 22, 2005. From all of these experiences, Tom has formed and launched a website called TomZuba.com, T-O-M-Z-U-B-A, with the intention of creating a sacred space where people can excavate grief, mourn safely, honor the gifts of denial, and consciously participate in their own transformation. If you have suffered any sort of loss or know of someone that has or are experienced grief from any sort of experience in your life, I urge you to connect to Tom Zuba at TomZuba.com. Tom, we were talking about your story and going through uh, the loss of your wife and how you asked many people to pray. And as you were talking, I thought about what you were saying, and I wanted to bring up a point that many people may not uh, realize or comprehend. And when we pray for something, when we pray for a person's healing, in our human sense, that healing means that they have to stay, that they have to be well and they have to be with us. But in the grand sense, in the universal sense, sometimes the greatest healing that a body can have is to have its freedom from the physical form. You had written in some materials that uh, Trish actually almost kind of foretold her passing through certain statements or through a couple of days earlier saying that I know the songs I want played at my funeral. Do you think that she knew she was going to go or that she longed for her daughter so much that this was really the only natural course for her? I am absolutely convinced that on a level above and beyond the five senses, not only did she know she was getting ready to transition, but she every step along the way, prepared all of us for the transition. Um, And I'll give you an example. For Christmas that year, Trish gave me a book of Irish stories, and in her handwriting, she wrote this note, Tom, thank you for giving me everything I ever wanted and then giving it to me all over again. Love, Trish. And I so clearly remember that Christmas morning just being in awe of the beauty of those words. And I had to read them again. Thank you for giving me everything I've ever wanted and then giving it to me all over again. And in retrospect, what she was saying to me was, have no regrets, you know, you loved me and I felt love. I'm grateful for the time that we had together. She also gave me um, a stone that on one side um, had a Celtic symbol and on the other side has the word journey hand-carved in it. She gave me a mouse pad with a picture of me, Rory, and Sean. She's not even in the picture. That was our new family. And there are many, many, many examples. Well, and that so often we don't realize we get these messages, these little tiny, uh, almost as if it is um, a treasure hunt, messages along the way that do somewhat prepare us for things. 
if we allow ourselves to be aware. You know, the, the word journey on the back of that stone to let you know that the things to come were part of your life's journey, part of your soul's journey to uncover and unfold. Or like you said, the mouse pad with without her in it and, and the words, we'll miss you on that cake. You know, so much of that is so profound. And I think oftentimes we as human beings, we cast aside some of these very simple, clear messages that show up for us rather than seeing them as the gifts that they can be at the moment. Absolutely, absolutely. And and one of the things that I like to do is give permission to share um, experiences that they have when, beyond a shadow of a doubt, the people that we love who have died are communicating with us, are connecting with us. Um, I thought this was really interesting because it, it, let's say that it was Trisha's soul communicating through her to, you know, through her physicalness to all of us and getting us ready. Uh, it's, it was, it was, it's fascinating to have been a part of. One other thing that I've read that was really profound, um, and I think you uh, may have spoken about this when you were on Oprah as well, and it was the experience where Rory was in bed and he said that every night that the ceiling would open up and this ray of light would come down. Will you share that, please? Oh, it's a beautiful, beautiful story. Now, keep in mind, my son Rory was in first grade. Uh, He was seven, and my son Sean was four, and they slept in bunk beds. And um, Rory said to me, Daddy, every night when I go to bed, the ceiling of the room opens up, and a white light comes down, and it surrounds me, and it goes through the bunk and surrounds Sean. And I said to him, well, honey, you know, where's the light coming from? What do you think? And he looked at me with those, come on, Dad, you don't know. (laughs) It's coming from Mommy. You know, of course the light is coming from Mommy. And I supported him and I affirmed him. And I I remember even saying, you know, ask Mommy if she could um, send the light through the ceiling of my bedroom because I'd like to see it and I'd like to experience it. So I really tried to um, support, affirm, but what I noticed is that when he would tell other people, he would get a wide variety of responses. You know, some people were a little patronizing, some people were skeptical, and some people were really, really supportive. But after maybe five or six weeks, he stopped talking about it. And then maybe after about two months, he, he said the light wasn't there anymore. You know, and that's what we do to our kids so often uh, when they have these visions or when they have these beliefs and anchorings that, that occur for them. If we discount them or we shrug them off or simply because we can't believe, we take that. We take that belief from them or we take that specialness and make them start to doubt themselves as to whether it really happens or not. And so just as parents, if we can learn to acknowledge and honor the things that that our kids say, just as you did for Rory, then they can really stay with that and hold on to those special gifts. Exactly, and and then be open to the next gift yes. and be even on the lookout for the next gift. Absolutely. So in the experience then of, of losing Rory, I mean, it had to cross your ma- mind at some point, why is this happening to me? Why does this keep happening? Or, you know, what have I done that I keep losing the people in my life that I love so much? You know, 
what do you do when the third person that is the closest to you is no longer there? Well, to be honest with you, I, I've never thought that. I've never asked those questions because each death was obviously different and each death made sense to me. Um, and, and I'll explain that to you. Rory was an, an unbelievably intelligent human being. Literally, on the Stanford Nines, he scored in the 99th percentile. Um, before his mom died, Rory said to us, whichever one of you dies first when you're in heaven and see Albert Einstein, tell him to come to me in my dream because there's a couple of questions I want to ask him. Rory was fascinated at a very young age by um, by, by space travel, uh, he explained the theory of relativity to me. He was interested in alternate universes, the black hole, um, simultaneous consciousness. So I felt like he really was done with what he had come here to do. And I was, believe it or not, I was excited for him that he was going to, you know, burst through and c can really kind of hear him just giggling and being so giddy about the adventure that he's on now. So I, I was never concerned about him. You know, I was concerned about me because I knew the work that is required to, to rebuild and reformat. And I thought I wasn't exactly sure that I had it in me to do it again. And you had a, and you had another son to do it for as well. That's that's the amazing thing is you not only had to rebuild yourself, you now had to take a child who was not much different in age than when you lost your brother, and teach them about death. My guest today is Tom Zuba. You can connect with him at tomzuba.com, and you can discover his amazing story along with the many wonderful pieces that he offers through this wonderful new website that he has created. If you are suffering from grief or loss or you know anyone that has having to walk that journey, allow yourself to access any of his workshops, his information, his blogs, anything that will be of support to you. And you can find that at TomZuba.com, T-O-M-Z-U-B-A.com. We'll be right back. A healthy dialogue for your lifestyle. Voice America Health & Wellness. Have you seen 1111? Do you wonder why certain numbers keep showing up in your life? 11, 111, 22, 33, 444. People all over the world are seeing 1111 and learning the language of universal communication. Subscribe to 1111 Magazine today, www.1111mag.com. 1111 Magazine is a bi-monthly print publication that offers a rich, multi-sensory experience. As you engage with experts and topics of consciousness, become enlightened, empowered, and energized so you live a passionate and authentic life of conscious choices. 1111 Magazine, a daily staple for lifting the mindset, discovering the heart, and stepping into conscious living. 1111 Magazine. Order now at www.1111mag.com. 1111mag.com. 
journey into the realm of spirit, the source of all things. Master fear in these tumultuous times and learn ancient ways to abundant love and healing. Why Shamanism Now, a practical path to authenticity, will awaken the unique genius within you. Host Christina Pratt challenges you to initiate your innate powers within to gain health, well-being, and joy through the practices of Last Mask Center for Shamanic Healing. Tune in each week to Why Shamanism Now, Wednesdays at 2 p.m. Pacific, 5 p.m. Eastern, on 7th Wave Network. Our lives are shaped with stories that begin the very day we are born. Every individual has their story, and whether it involves family, friends, society, culture, science, art, or love, our stories help define who we are. Tune in for Tuesdays with Maureen, Tales from the Search for True Self, as she helps you to not only understand these stories to improve our health and well-being, but to understand how our minds and bodies work together to adapt. Listen every Tuesday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. A healthy dialogue for your lifestyle. Voice America Health and Wellness. You are listening to 1111 Talk Radio. If you'd like to join today's discussion, please call in toll-free at 1-866-472-5795. Again, 1-866-472-5795. You may also send an email to info at believesc.com. Now back to 1111 Talk Radio with Simran Singh. In going through his own life experiences, Tom Zuva has created a website with the intention of creating a sacred space where people can excavate grief, mourn safely, honor the gifts of denial, and consciously participate in their own transformation. You can connect with him at TomZuba.com. Eckhart Tolle says that we should not resist the pain. We should allow it to be there and surrender to the grief, despair, fear, loneliness, or whatever form the suffering takes. Witness it without labeling it mentally. Embrace it. Then see how the miracle of surrender transmute deep suffering into deep peace. This is your crucifixion. Let it become your resurrection and ascension. And that's what you have done Tom, through this whole journey of losing three people in your family, uh, aside from your younger brother when you were small, you have um, you've learned how to take that and really create something from it. Learn how to heal yourself. Learn how to heal your son. Can you talk about how you went through that process after your son Rory died to build yourself back up and also teach this child that you had remaining? that death was okay and a part of life and that you can keep on living beyond it. Absolutely. And I I love that quote that you read from Eckhart. Um, It dawned on me that I was resisting life. I was making life my enemy. And when the pain got so great that it was more that I could possibly bear... I thought, I have to try something else. And I think this is, this is a process that people who are living with loss go through, that initially we, we, we fight it. You know, we put our fists up and, and we fight the reality. But when we realize that nothing I can do is going to change what has happened, and and the only thing I can really do is 
lay on the floor and totally, totally surrender to what is. Until I do that, nothing is going to change. Um, the, the image that I like to carry is I try to uh, extend my hand and, and put myself in the center of my hand and, and look at myself. Look at that broken, wounded, um, shattered person and, and see if I could hold that person and see if I could be compassionate and gentle and kind to that person as opposed to the feelings of anger and bitterness and rage that so often come up when we do experience a great, great, great loss. So very, very slowly, and I mean really, really slowly, I try to lean into the truth of my experience, the truth of what I was going through on a day-to-day basis. I remember being in a therapist's office saying, I don't want to waste this experience. I don't want to waste it. And I also said, I want to be surrounded by people who are wiser than me. And well, it sounds, think, like, it sounds like you weren't needing to make peace with death. You were actually needing to make peace with living or with life. Exactly, exactly. And, that, and that's, I'm glad you brought that up because that's one of the things that always amazes me is that those of us that have experienced a really, really intimate death, we are willing to get back on the horse. You know, we are willing to give life another shot, but we don't know how. You know, we don't know how to make peace with the truth of our life. Absolutely. And and I know you've also written that the death of someone, it doesn't uh, break us up. It actually cracks us open. It does crack us open, and it's supposed to crack us open. So many people say, the only thing I want is to go back to life the way it was. That's not what the death is about. The death is about birthing a new life, a new life for you, a new life for all of the people that you're in relationship with. And one of the things that I want to um, really underscore is that, and I think this is what brings people so much pain, that when someone we love dies, we think that relationship is over. But that relationship continues, and we get to decide whether or not that's going to be a healthy relationship or an unhealthy relationship. So what I've tried to do on my road to finding peace is to make sure I have a really healthy relationship with my daughter, with my wife, and with my son. Um, And that's made all the difference for me. They're not in a little box, you know, tucked away in the bottom drawer that I sneak a peek at a couple of times a year. So talk about that, Tom. Explain what a really healthy relationship with your wife, your daughter, and your son looks like so that people that have lost someone can start to understand how to create a healthy relationship with that one that's passed on. Okay. It it begins with allowing yourself to feel everything that needs to be felt. Nothing, Nothing is off limits for me. Um, I want to make sure that every detail of the experiences of my daughter's death 
and of my wife's death and of my son's death. Every single detail has been explored, has been talked about, has been visited and revisited. So nothing is off limits for me. I don't want to be frightened or um, overpowered by any of it. I want to marinate in that whole experience over and over and over again. So it's very, very familiar to me. And, and every feeling that needs to be felt it is, is felt. Um, they're, they're a part of my experience, and they're a really, really empowering part of my experience. And I don't want any of it to be off guard or off limits. So when people have that uh, statement thrown at them that, you know, you really need to bring this to closure, you really need to move on with your life, is that necessarily the case then? You know, maybe maybe we're not to bring things to closure in that sense or move on, but simply integrate the experience and uh, keep those that we have been with with us as we continue to live our life. To, to me, that sounds really, really healthy really, really doable, and that brings me peace. When I hear the word closure, it sounds to me like I have to close the door and leave something or someone behind, and I don't want to do that, and I don't use the phrase move on. What, what, what feels right to me is I want to continue to move with the death of my wife. I want to move with the death of my son, and I feel like I am. Um, One of the things that I want to talk about is that about maybe 10 days after my son Rory died, I woke up in the middle of the night, and I checked my watch, and the time was 2.22, and Rory Brennan Zuba died on February 22nd, which is Mm -hmm. Mm 2.22. So I you know, kind of looked, looked around and was like, okay, you know, honey, you know, I think I get this. Well, about a week later, the same thing happened. Woke up in the middle of the night, checked my watch. It was 2-2-2. So since then, in many, many different ways, on many, many, many different days, Rory connects with me through the numbers 222 now, just recently, in September, I was in New York meeting with my literary agent and had just a spectacular couple of days. It was literally a dream come true. And as I was at LaGuardia Airport getting ready to fly home, I stood in line to buy a cup of coffee. I looked at the cash register, and I said to the gentleman behind the counter, stop, I need to take a picture of this. And the numbers on the cash register were 222. And to me, that was Rory's way of saying, Daddy, you're moving in the right direction. You know, I'm I'm right there with you. Don't for a minute think I'm not. And, And what's fascinating to me is not that long ago I made this connection, and that is that my daughter's birthday is January 2, and my wife's birthday is May 2 2. So the three of them are very present in the two, two, two. And that's a real, real way that I feel connected to them and in relationship with them. Well, and again, it goes back to noticing the symbols in our lives. You know, I'm very much about the numbers, of course, the show and the magazine are called 1111. And 222, numerologically, 
means to have faith, that everything's going to be all right, that we're not to worry about every, anything, and that the situation is resolving itself or everyone is taken care of in a beautiful way. And so not only are they connecting with you to let you know that they are just as present with you now as before, but they're also helping you from from um, their energetic realm to say, you know, we're working with you to help create or uh, fulfill the purpose in the world that all of this journey has truly had meaning for. And I think that that may be the reason that you have come forward to help so many other people in coping with grief and loss in a new way. I think you're right. I am with Tom Zuba today, and you can connect with him at TomZuba.com. Go to his website, and you will discover a sacred space where people excavate grief, mourn safely, honor the gifts of denial, and consciously participate in their own transformation. You can take part in that and access different workshops, blogs, and information, and he will soon be coming out with a book which will also support people in helping in achieving their healing. We'll be right back with Tom Zuba, TomZuba.com. A fresh look at today's health. Voice America Health & Wellness. Have you seen 1111? Do you wonder why certain numbers keep showing up in your life? 11, 111, 22, 33, 444. People all over the world are seeing 1111 and learning the language of universal communication. Subscribe to 1111 Magazine today, www.1111mag.com. 1111 Magazine is a bi-monthly print publication that offers a rich, multi-sensory experience. As you engage with experts and topics of consciousness, become enlightened, empowered, and energized so you live a passionate and authentic life of conscious choices. 1111 Magazine, a daily staple for lifting the mindset, discovering the heart, and stepping into conscious living. 1111 Magazine. Order now at www.1111mag.com. 1111mag.com. If you are curious about IVF and third-party family building, what it is, and where you can get the answers you need, meet the surrogacy lawyer, Teresa M. Erickson. Teresa became a surrogacy lawyer after the wonderful experience of being a participant in third-party family building. Whether you're looking to IVF, becoming a donor or surrogate, or a prospective parent, you are sure to come away with valuable advice from our program. The Surrogacy Lawyer, your guide to IVF and third-party family building, is heard live every Thursday at 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Eastern, on Voice America Health & Wellness. If you are a first-year mom or maybe a mother-to-be, tune in every week for From Here to Maternity. Your host, Janet Markovitz, will answer some of those questions that others won't. Learn what to ask your professional and when to ask it. We'll take a look at the latest products for new moms and future moms. We're here to support you and answer your questions in this special and sometimes difficult time. From Here to Maternity is broadcast live every Friday at 10 a.m. Eastern Time, 7 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. You are 
listening to 1111 Talk Radio. If you'd like to join today's discussion, please call in toll-free at 1-866-472-5795. Again, 1-866-472-5795. You may also send an email to info at believesc.com. Now back to 1111 Talk Radio with Simran Singh. So often the conversation of death is considered a taboo subject or one that people don't really particularly want to engage in. But perhaps death has a different meaning. Perhaps death is actually new life or the birthing of something. And that's what we can start to discover is where we want to look at it as. The 1111 Magazine September-October issue of 2010 does go into the conversation of death and give it some different perspectives. But, Tom, I'd like to hear what you believe death is here to teach us. One of the things is that death, the death of someone we love, transforms us. It, it can't not transform us. Um, does death teach us about life? Absolutely. It can teach us about our own life. I believe that that's what it's supposed to do. For me, and I think for many people, um, in the days after my 18-month-old daughter Erin died, I remember literally going outside at night and just looking up in the stars wondering, where are you? You know, where are you? And what happened? And that process and that questioning put me in a place where I asked what I consider some of life's most fundamental questions. Questions like, is there a God? And, and if there is a God, what is he or she or they or it? And, and if I believe there's a God, what did God have to do with the death of my daughter? What role did he or she play in the death of my wife? Why didn't he prevent the death of my son? Um, is there a heaven? You know, if there's a heaven, where is it? Do the people that we love continue to exist? Are they aware of us? Can they communicate with us? Can we communicate with them? Death of people that we love gives us the incredible opportunity to ask and answer all of those questions. And, and, and that, you know, that practice in itself transforms us immensely. Well, and I ultimately, I think that that's what we're here to discover is is the depths of ourselves and our own souls and the discovery of what our belief systems are in ver- versus what belief systems now we'd prefer to adopt, what will help us feel more at peace and more empowered. Absolutely. I, I'm 53 years old, and when I was about 49 or 50, it dawned on me that I was the one that got to decide what I believed. You know, it, it, it wasn't um, dependent upon what I was taught or what perhaps a church said or a parent said or a minister said, that in the end, I got to decide what I believed. And I decided that I was going to choose to believe things that brought me peace and that brought me joy. And, and that transformed everything. And how has your other son that is is still alive, how does he cope or deal with the conversations surrounding life and death? Is he very much like you were as a child, 
when your mom talked to you or or allowed these uh, individuals that have passed on to still be very present in your life? Are you able to kind of revisit yourself at that age through him because you're kind of having the same conversations? Another way that life prepared me for life is that in about the year and a half before my son Rory got sick, I had the opportunity to study with the American psychologist Carl Rogers' daughter, Natalie, who is also, she's a psychologist, but she's also an artist. So I studied with her, and I studied expressive arts, and I was immersed in Carl Rogers' person-centered theory, um, his, his belief in a way of being. And, and the um, approach that I have taken with Sean is that if I create a loving, accepting environment for him, then he will move in the direction that he needs to move in to heal. Um, so I've been more of a follower, actually. Um, I've let him go where he needs to go. Now, he's 15. He's, he's an athlete. He plays football, basketball, and um, baseball. And on, uh, when, when I check in on his Facebook, what I, what I see people saying is, Sean, you're my best friend. Sean, you are a wonderful listener. Sean, you're the only person I can trust. Sean, I go to you for advice, and you always give it. So he's becoming this incredible, empathetic, understanding, you know, kind, loving, open human being. Uh, but, But I have to go back to one of my beliefs, and that is that I believe that Sean chose this life and I'm in awe of who he is. I mean, he is my greatest teacher. I've had a fascinating life, but can you imagine deciding that what, that the life that is best for you is that when you're three, your mom dies, and when you're in fourth grade, your brother dies, and your whole life, you know that there was a sister born before you that died. You know, so the question is, who is this soul? Exactly, the the mastery that exists within him and, and already the compassion and openness that he's exhibiting uh, illustrates that sometimes these experiences of death are here to allow um, a soul's contract to really unfold in a way that they're going to help many people in many different ways. Exactly, exactly. So the roles are really reversed in that he's my greatest teacher. Well, I, I agree with that. I certainly know that my, my children have been mine as well. I think all children are if we allow them to be. So where do you go from here? I know that you're a grief guide, you're an author, you're an inspirational speaker. You have this wonderful website, TomZuba.com, that people can go to if they're experiencing grief or want to work through any sort of loss. Um, what is the next step for you, and um, what would you like to see happen? The next step for me is I have um, an agent right now who's uh, pitching my book to editors. The name of the book is The First Year, Living with Loss, a Spiritual Journey, and it's inspired by the beautiful book Simple Abundance. Um, my 
expectation on every level is that I will sign a contract with the publishing firm. The book will be out one way or another. My hope is to be back on Oprah. Um, I know her uh, show ends the end of May, but all things are possible. I definitely would like to have a PBS special, and I want to. I, I, I have done presentations. I have done workshops. But I would really go like to go on a national and international speaking tour. I, I, in the same way that Elizabeth Kubler-Ross changed the way we look at death, I want my message to be as transformational and as far-reaching. Well, and I think it's a powerful message, and that's why I wanted you to claim it so that all of us and all of our listeners can hold that in consciousness for you so that we can allow that to be created for the many people of the world that right now are going through all kinds of difficulties and challenges. My guest today has been Tom Zuba, grief guide, author, inspirational speaker. Connect with him at TomZuba.com. Discover his amazing story and also some of his wonderful writings to help you cope through some of the many experiences that you may be going through at this time. I'm Simran Singh, and until next time, be well. Thank you for stepping into the doorway of Conscious Choice with 1111 Top Radio. Please join host Simran Singh again next Thursday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern Time for another enlightening edition here on the 7th Wave Network. Remember, shift happens. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. 